started started in on a, on a study and told her I was going to be teaching on Jesus wept tonight. And I have to admit that it was too short and I didn't have enough to, uh, to have a full Bible study tonight. But the Lord is dealing with me on something on that. And so I believe there will be a little bit more added to it. Though we're not adding to the scripture, but tonight we, I went in a, just a little different direction where I felt God leading us in, instead of that. And so let's open to the book of James chapter four. James chapter four, verse number one. And this book of James is such a, uh, can be such a punch in the gut at times because of the way that James just comes at subjects head on. He he doesn't he doesn't just tiptoe around subjects. He addresses them and uh, is doesn't hold back at all. And this is one of these areas that in our lives, if we are honest, we all struggle because we are all flesh. There's there's a pull of the flesh that uh, would would as Paul would say. At times, I would to do good, but my flesh is pulling me the opposite direction, and it would that I would do evil. And and this is James addressing having victory over our flesh, over those areas of our life where we would where we would do evil, but but God is calling us to do good, and God has given us the power to have victory. He's given us that ability. And so let's, let's dive in in James chapter one, or I'm sorry, James chapter four. Let's go to James chapter four, verse number one. It says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? He's not talking about wars and fighting that is in a physical realm, but rather in the spiritual realm, that our lust uh, is, is, there's a war that's taking place. He says, you lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have, but you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, but you have not because you ask not. Ye ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Now he's speaking here uh, in, um, in these, these terms of asking. It's really about prayer. It's about a conversation that's taking place between you and God. And this is where our, this is where we get our victory is, is through coming to God and asking Him to give us the strength that we need, asking Him to, to, uh, to help us to be an overcomer. And He continues on. He says, you, uh, you adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, it matters what we uh, associate ourselves with. It matters what environments we allow ourselves to spend time in. It matters where we would uh, allow ourselves to, uh, to make a friend. Now, a friend, what I'm talking about is... Becoming friends with the world, becoming friends with the things of the world. 
He says, when you become a, a friend with the world, and this is not to say that, um, that the, the people that are in the world, uh, that we cannot be friendly or have a friend that is, uh, that is not in the church, but to be a friend of the world, of the things of the world, makes you an enemy of God. Verse 5, do you think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, verses 7 through 10, this is where I really want to put our focus tonight. It says here, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Now, I want to look at that passage, especially there, verses 7 through 10, where James gives us seven steps to have victory over our flesh. Seven steps that every one of us can implement into our lives and we can have certain victory over our flesh and over the enemy of our souls that would draw us away from God. So let's dive into these seven steps to victory. This first one, beginning in verse 7, would be that you would submit yourselves to God. Submit yourself. That word submit comes to us in the, the Greek to be under obedience to God. To be under obedience to the Word of God. This is, this is a, uh, a complete submission. This is, uh, so submission would say that, uh, that even when my, even when I don't agree with it, I still submit. Actually, if it's not, unless I am in disagreement with it, that it really becomes submission. Until you get to a point where you say, God, I read in your word that I'm supposed to do this, but I don't think I need to do that. That's when you come to the crossroads of submission or disobedience. It's at that point that we really, uh, we really come to a point where we say, am I going to submit myself to God or am I going to be the God of my life? If you want victory, if you want to be an overcomer, then we must submit ourselves to God. So let's see. I want to uh, open up to this uh, book of Hebrews, chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 9 tells us, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. All them that obey him. Right? There is... This understanding of submission that is accompanied with salvation. 
that we would submit ourselves to God. If you want to have victory in your life, then we must obey the one who is the giver of life, the one who is the hope of our salvation. He has been made perfect, but and he and he is the author of eternal salvation, but it's up to us to make that decision to submit ourselves to God. I don't know if anybody has ever uh you know been reading through scripture and you get to something and it's you get to that crossroads of of wondering huh does my life look like that am i reading that right is that really what god is asking me to do and and we can uh twirl it around and try to figure out you know is this really what he means and and more times than not that's really what he means we could try to find all these caveats and different things of, uh, you know, may, maybe God doesn't really mean what he, what we think he means there. And, and more times than not, God is pretty straight. And in his word, there are some things that are uncomfortable to the flesh. But if we will, uh, if, if we want to see victory, then it requires submission to those things. It's like, it's like when you get, uh, brother, brother Stokely and I were, uh, talking about, the tabernacle and praying through the tabernacle just before service. And, and it's, it's like when you get to that or when the priest would get to the, the brazen laver and they get to that place where they're washing themselves. And, and in the, the middle or the bottom of the, the bowl of the brazen laver, there was, there were, uh, uh, mirrors that, that covered that hole or glass, at least that, that reflected, had, had your reflection. So anytime you look down into it, you saw your reflection of what you really look like and whether or not you're really cleansed. And that's what happens if we, uh, or when we get into the word of God, you can, you can see a reflection of your own life. Now what you do with that is up to you. What you do with it is, is, is now your decision. Are you going to, uh, see yourself in all of the, um, of, of what is being reflected back to you through the word? Even the inward parts of ourselves and, and just walk away without changing? Or are we going to submit and say, I have some dirty hands. I have some, I have some dirt here and there and I need to cleanse these areas of my life and, and submit myself to God. That's the first step to victory is that we would submit ourselves to God. The second thing would be that you would resist the devil. That's the part for us. And what happens when we resist the devil is that he will flee. Resist the devil. And when you resist, he will flee. This is a promise from the word of God. That when we resist the enemy of our soul, he will come to a point where he says, I can't get through to you. I'm going to go on to somebody else. See, the issue is, many times he's going to come across as your best friend. He's going to come across as that angel of light that's enticing and has all kinds of uh, reasons why you ought to do what, um, ought to do what, what he's trying to get you to do. Why, why you ought to let down in this area of your life or that area of your life and, and why, why that fruit that looks good 
it's not really going to be that bad for you. God's just trying to hold something back from you. Why don't you just reach out, grab the fruit. You see, you touched it, nothing happened. How about you just take a bite? Let's see, your eyes are going to be opened. And, and he'll do the same thing. His, his tricks never change. He's the same as he was in the Garden of Eden as he is now. That he's going to come across and he's going to have all these words to try to entice you. But when you stand on the word of God and say, I know that if anything is true, it's this right here. I know that if anything in this life is true, then it's this. I can count on this to, to be true for my life. And so, devil, if you're going to come at me with something that is counter to this, then I am going to resist that because this is truth. There's no, nothing outside of the word of God that is going to, uh, that is going to lead me into truth. This is the truth. So resist the devil and he will flee. To resist means to stand against, to oppose, to, to put a blockade up in your life, to, uh, to say there is nothing that, uh, that, that you can do that's going to come and, uh, and, and make headway into my life. And when you do that, it says he will flee. He's going to run away. He's going to vanish. He's going to escape. Let's, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It says Ephesians chapter 6 verses 12 and 13 that we wrestle not against the flesh and blood. But we wrestle against the principalities and the powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against the spiritual wickedness that's in high places. Verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That there is a battle that is being waged for your soul. If we walk out, or we wake up in the morning and we, we start our day without putting on the armor of God. Without putting on that, that helmet of salvation. Without girding our loins with the belt of truth. Without the shields of faith. If you walk out without, without the, the sword of the Spirit. If you walk out uh, and into your day without without having the armor of God on, then you have, then you're leaving yourself exposed. Because all those things are helping you to resist the devil. All those, all those things are helping you to, uh, to, to be strengthened in the time when he comes and wages a war against you. And so putting on the armor of God is so crucial in our life. And that's, that ought to be something we really never even, we never take it off. I don't want to let my guard down. I want, I want to always have the armor of God on. And, and you do that so that you can resist. And when you resist, it says he will flee. Psalm chapter 97, verse 10. I remember as, as a teenager reading this verse and, and realizing the, um, the severity to which God is calling us not just to love him, but also to hate evil. It says, you that love God, hate evil. If you really love God, 
then there ought to also be in you a hatred for that which is evil. And it's sometimes easy to love God, but that hatred of evil can sometimes be something that if you are not resistant to what the devil is trying to do, then that hatred of evil becomes something that we let our guard down on and we invite evil in instead. And it says, you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one master or the other. And by inviting, and, and by saying that you love the Lord, but inviting evil into the house, you're showing which master you truly want to serve. He says, you that love God will hate evil. There ought to be a, 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 a healthy amount of hatred in our life for that which is evil and that which wants to destroy our soul. We, there it, the, the enemy, he is a thief that wants to come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is his agenda, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so as soon as we invite him into the house... And we say, you come on, I know, uh, I know I probably shouldn't be inviting this, inviting this in to my life, but you know, just come here, I'm gonna be able to handle it. No. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Don't invite the devil into your house. Don't invite, don't invite that which is evil to, to be there in, uh, in your life. Love God and hate evil. Resist the devil and he will flee. We're talking about seven steps to victory. Step number three is that you would draw nigh to God. And when you do so, he will draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to God. That word draw comes in the Greek. It would be to drag. It's a, it's, it's, it's coming and, and, and no matter what, um, no matter what fashion you have you have to get there. Let's let's just get there. Let's let's be drawn near to God, nigh to God. Let's let's come and whatever it takes to get there. I, I want to get there to where God is at. Whatever it takes for me, I, I just want to be in His presence. Whatever it takes for me, I, I'm going to be where God is. Let's draw nigh to God, and when you do so, it says He will draw nigh to you. We get this little story in Mark chapter five of. Of an individual who would draw nigh to God. It's a certain woman who had this issue of blood. She had it for 12 years. She'd suffered many things. All these physicians. She'd spent all that she had. She was nothing better. But instead she grew worse. But when she heard that Jesus was coming. She pressed in behind him. And she touched the hem of his garment. Then we go to verse 28. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She drew nigh to Jesus. She said, whatever I have to do, I'm going to get to Jesus. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get to Jesus. She pressed through the crowd in order to get to Jesus. You see, to draw nigh to God is, is uh, it, or it's not enough just to resist the devil, but we must resist the devil and draw nigh to God. Let's get into the presence of God. 
Let's get ourselves to the place where he is at. Because when you do so, his, uh, when you are coming close to him, just like, uh, just like that, that father in the story of the prodigal son, he comes running to you. You make one step to him and he comes running to you. Draw nigh to God and he's going to come near to you. See, but you have to make the first move. That's why scripture, Jesus, he says, knock and the door will be open to you. Seek and ye shall find. He's standing there at the door and he's waiting for you to knock. He's waiting for you to seek him out. He, he, he wants you to. He desires you to. He wants to come near. God, God is there, but he's just waiting for you to make that first move. He's waiting for you to say, God, I want to be in your presence. God, I, I want you. God, I need you. I just need to be near you. And when you do so, God will be right there. That continues on in James chapter 4. It says the next step, step number 4, would be that you would cleanse your hands. Cleanse your hands. To cleanse, to, to make it pure, to clean it. Your hands are these, these instruments that, uh, through which everything, or many, many things that we do, it's, it's, it's through the use of our hands. The things that, that we touch, it's mostly with, with the use of our hands. And the, in the Old Testament, they had, uh, they had all these laws, these ceremonial laws of, of something that is clean and something that's unclean and, and, uh, it's just like that, that brazen labor that I was mentioning that, uh, in order to come into the, to the tabernacle, in order to come into the temple, you had to have clean hands. And so you had to make a stop there at that brazen labor and you had to clean yourself because you were, you were dirty, especially that, uh, the, the priest, he had just been done making these sacrifices. He had just, uh, he, he had blood all over his hands, all over these things. He couldn't step into the temple with all that dirt on his life, dirt on his body. And the same is true for us. We need to cleanse our hands. We need to come and in, in, in to a place of repentance and say, God, I, I, I'm, I'm not perfect. God, I've, I've made some mistakes. God, I, I'm here and I need to, I need you to cleanse me. God, cleanse not just my hands, but my heart, my, my, my eyes, my ears, everything. God, cleanse me. Make me clean in your sight because I want to be a clean instrument that you can use. I want to be a vessel that's clean. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 17 tells us to come out from among them. And be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Don't go messing with the things that are unclean. Don't go messing around with those things that you ought not be messing around with. We can't, we can't truly do the work of God and also have these separate areas of our life where we are Messing around with the things that are unclean, the things that are unholy, those, those things that we should not be taking any part in. And also say, God, I want to be found worthy in your sight or I want to be used by you. Now, God says, your life is all just one thing. You can't compartmentalize your life. 
You don't have your church life and your secular life. You have your life. And God sees all of it. God sees every bit of it. And so he, he's calling us. He says to be holy as I am holy. That's, that's quite a monumental task, but, but it's possible or he wouldn't have asked us to do it. Be ye holy as I am holy, or to be separate from the things of the world, just as I am separate and, and apart from the things of the world. This is what Jesus asks us. This is what, what God asked all the way back from the Old Testament, and it's still just as relevant for us today. To be holy as He is holy. To touch not the unclean thing. To cleanse your hands. Not just the things that you touch, not just the, th- the areas of your life that, uh, that you are reaching for, but also the things in your heart. Before it ever comes out and becomes an outward action, there's things in the heart that we need to deal with as well. If you want victory uh, over areas of your life, it's not just about the things that become manifested into your life and you act upon them. But let's begin looking at the very inner part of ourselves. And that's why he goes on to say, to purify your hearts, you double-minded. So let's just, let's not just look at our actions. Let's not just address the things that we are doing, but let's begin to, to, to uh, look at the very things that are on the inward part of man. It says purify or to make clean, to sanctify. Sanctify your heart, purify it. That heart, of course, it's not literally speaking of the heart that is beating inside of us, but rather it's that, uh, that seat of our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings, the, um, our mind. Purify that, that part of us, the part that nobody else sees. What is it that you allow your thoughts to be entertained with? When a when when a thought comes into your mind and and perhaps it's something that you should not have thought of, what do you do with that at that point? Do you dwell on it, or do you cast the thought away and say, "God, I'm sorry. I don't even know where that came from, and I need God forgive me, forgive me for even thinking of that." Or is it something that you? Just, Continue to dwell on and think on. This is, this is the, uh, the double-minded man would be the one who, who is vacillating between uh, a, a heart that's set on God and a, and a mind that is, that is thinking on the things of the world. It's a two-spirited man. Somebody who, who is trying to both serve the world and serve God. A double-minded man. In James chapter 1 verse 8, he addresses that. He says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That when you have a, um, a heart, when you have desires within yourself that are, that are wanting to do things that God would not, uh, God would not have you to do, and that's where the seat of your desire is at, that's what your life, what you're wanting to do, but yet you know you need to please God. He says, we need to get to the bottom of that and begin to purify those things. Let's take every thought captive. 
and present it to God and say, I don't know why I've been thinking about these things. I don't know why my mind has been dwelling on this. But God, I need your help right now to purify me. God, I need your help right now to to purify the, the thoughts that I've been entertaining because I know that they're not holy. I know that they're not right. And I want victory over things in my life. And it begins right here in the mind. To have victory over the, the, the struggles of our life, it be, all begins right here in the heart or in the mind before it ever becomes an action. It's in the mind. It's in the seat of the emotions, the heart. That's where we need to get control. That's where it begins. And if we don't purify our hearts, the thing that's going to happen is we're going to start reaching for that thing again. That very thing that you just cleanse your hands of, and it you know it was an action. It was something actionable that you did. If you don't get to the heart, then your hands are going to start reaching for the very thing that you just cleansed your hands from. You you cleansed your hands of it before, and now you're still allowing your your mind and your heart to dwell on it. Eventually, you're going to start reaching for it again. So that's why he says, let's get beyond just the actionable things that we're doing and get to the heart, get to the mind and begin to say, God, let every part of me, not just the things that others see, but every part of me be submitted to you, be purified by you. This is seven steps to victory. Number six. Number six, he says, to be afflicted, to mourn, and to weep. Be afflicted, mourn, and weep. We see this affliction, that that word afflicted is to realize your own misery. To mourn is is to grieve. This affliction and, and, and mourning, these Perhaps, you know, you're thinking, well, that, that seems odd that in order to get victory, I need to afflict myself, I need to mourn, I need to weep. What is, what's he talking about here? I guess I didn't put weep on there, but that, that has the same definition, which is to grieve. Weep, to, to weep is to, to grieve others, to weep, to begin to cry. It says that three times, really the same thing three times. To realize your, your, the misery that you're in. To, to mourn over, over this, this place that you're at. To, the, to, uh, to weep about this, this place that you're in. And, and remember the, the context of what he's, what he's saying here is that when you find yourself in a battle. When you find yourself struggling with your flesh. If you want victory over that, then you need to get to a place where you're no longer just taking this lightly. Where it's not a laughing matter anymore. You know, sometimes we can kind of laugh our troubles away or laugh all these things off. And it's like, uh-huh, you know, I, uh, you know I, I dealt with that again or dealing with this issue again. And, and, and we can take it lightly. But, but what he's asking us to do or imploring us to do here is to say, I want you to, uh, to, to have these, these, things that where, when the flesh begins to overcome you or when the, uh, when the, the devil begins to, to have a way, his way with you, then that should, that should afflict you. 
It should cause you to mourn. It should cause you to be in a place where, where you are uh, going to come to immediate action on this to, to get control of it. It's not a laughing matter at this point. We need to come to a place where I say, I need some help, God. I need some help or else my soul is going to be damned to hell. And I don't want that. God, I realize the importance of what is, uh, of what I'm doing right now. And I need your help. Call out to God. Be afflicted. Mourn. Weep. We see this story. I alluded to it earlier, but in Luke chapter 15, the story of the, the prodigal son. And just in this, this one little passage here, it says that when he came to himself, this is when the son gets to his lowest point. This, this child of, of the wealthy father who had gotten his inheritance at an early age and, and had gone, he'd wasted it all. He's, he's lost all of his friends now. He's, he's there uh, at a job where he's feeding pigs and living with the pigs. And it says he came to himself. He realized the state that he was in. He looked around this mess of a situation that he was in. He came to himself and it says that he said, my, my, how many hired servants does my father have in his house? That They have enough bread to spare. And here I am, I perish with hunger. He came to a place where, where he says, I can't live like this anymore. What am I doing here? I've made some decisions in my life that have brought me to this place where where I'm at, and, and I know that uh, I know that I probably deserve where I'm at, but I, I can't live like this any longer. He began to mourn and began to weep. His situation it says that he he was fain. It's not this this verse, but the, uh, the surrounding verse says that when he was fain, or when he was at a place where where he just could not go anymore. He was at a place where he says, I've had enough. I need some help. I need to go back to my father's house. I know I've made a lot of mistakes, but I need to get back to where I know at least my father's servants are living better than I am. And we get to that same place where where we realize that this isn't a laughing matter anymore. I, I know I've made some mistakes. It's not even just a, a matter of just, just wallowing in my, my troubles but no, this is a, an affliction, a mourning, and, a, and, and a, a weeping that's going to bring me to a place of repentance is really what it's all about. A thing that, or getting to a place in my life where I realize I can't continue down this same road. I need, I need God's help. I can't just, I can't just look at this, this cycle that I've been in and just, just continue in it. In fact, if you find yourself in that cycle of, of sin, if you find yourself in, in where you just keep going back to the same thing, and I, I would implore you, just don't just don't just keep doing the same thing. Let's get serious about it, about having victory. Fast and pray. Get somebody else around you and. And tell them, I need your help to, to pray for me. I need your help to be accountable. Well, there's, there's certain 
things in our life where where you need somebody else to come and to come alongside you, and it's, it takes a drastic move. I, I've I've told I've told many uh, uh, students that were, that were struggling with uh, with lust in in different areas of their, their life, and I said, man, if you have if you have a uh, a phone that is connected to the internet, and if that is your uh, your source of your 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 struggle, then you need to get to a place. If you really want to be an overcomer, then you need to get rid of that. I know that it's a drastic measure, but will you truly be afflicted and to mourn and to weep? Will you truly take a drastic action enough to say, I've got to get over this. I've got to gain victory over this. And I, I know that this is uh, something drastic compared to what everybody else would expect of me to do. But I am sick of this cycle that I've been in. And then... He finishes it off with this final step, which is to humble yourselves. To humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. To humble is to humiliate the heart. That in, in the heart, it's, it's coming to a place before God where we say, God, everything in me, God, I open myself up to you. God, and it's all laid down at your feet to, to be Submitted to you. Really, it circles right back around to where this all began, which was to submit yourself to God. And now to humble yourself before God. It's the same action that we would do to come with an open heart before God, to submit everything to him. In First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the other. Ye all, or yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. That we would bring ourselves to God. It's, it's not about... Uh, it's not about doing this to some other person, to some other individual. But no, I want to humble myself to God. Not in your sight. I want to be humble before you. See, you don't have to be lowly in man's eyes. But we must humble ourselves before God and let everyone see. Let everyone see that if God is asking me to do something, then I'm going to do it. No question. If God is impressing on me to give up something that I hold dear, then I'm going to do it because I'm humbling myself before God. If God is dealing with me on an issue, then I'm going to do what God is asking me to because I've clothed myself with humility. My heart has been humbled before God. I'm obedient to Him. I'm submitted to Him. Second, Chron- Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, such a familiar passage and We'll close with this tonight. It says that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and they will seek my face, and they would turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Then we would first humble ourselves before God. This 
Humbling is something that, that requires us to admit that we're not always right. Humbling ourselves, may, it, it gets us to a place where we say that my thoughts are not always the right thoughts. But when the man of God asks me to do something, that I am obedient. I listen to it. When, when the word of God, uh, it, I open it up and I read something that's contrary to how I'm living, then I am obedient to it. I humble myself to it. That when I'm in prayer and God impresses on me to do something, that I humble myself before him and I say, yes, Lord, whatever your will is. That we would humble ourselves. Now, to be humble would be to be open. It's not coming before God and saying, God, you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and you're going to do that, and you're going to do that. Now, a humble person comes in, they say, Lord, what do you want to do? God, what is your will in this area of my life? God, what do you want me to do? God, I want to pray your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will. God, I don't want to order my will to be done. You know, so often we can, we can pray prayers and we can get in this, we can get this idea in our mind that, that whatever we would ask, it has to be done. There's times where, just as we read at the beginning, that we ask amiss. Without humbling ourselves before God. We, we can ask for things in prayer that God never wanted us to ask for. And so, by humbling ourselves before Him, we are asking things that would be, uh, that would lead us to a place of victory. Humbling ourselves to God would, would bring us out of, of the very, uh, throes of, of, of the flesh and, and all that it's entangled us in. It's, it's bringing us to a place where God says, if you really want victory, then, then this is what I'm asking you to do. And to humble ourselves before God would be to be obedient to God in that. Amen. Let's just, let's just close our eyes around here, around the sanctuary. And I just want to lift up our hands and just pray. Just a prayer as we dismiss tonight that if, if you're dealing with any, uh, if you're dealing with the flesh, if you're dealing with any uh, attack from the enemy tonight, that we would be an overcomer. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would help anybody tonight, Lord, that uh, has been uh, been dealing with uh, with the things, God, that, that they are wanting victory in, God, but they haven't, haven't received it yet. God, they've, they've been desiring to be an overcomer, but it hasn't come. Lord, I pray that we would be submitted to your word, God, that we would resist the devil, Lord, so that he could flee from us. Lord, I pray that there would be somebody tonight, Lord, who would have that, that boldness, Lord, to, uh, to come and to draw nigh to you, God, whatever it takes to get into your presence. Lord, I pray there's somebody here tonight, Lord, that's uh, wanting victory, that we could be so earnestly praying for it, seeking it, God, that we would do anything, Lord, that, uh, Lord, that it takes, anything that you would ask of us to do, God, that we would submit ourselves to you completely, wholly. God, cleanse our hands, cleanse our hearts, God, cleanse everything in us, Lord, so that we don't continue reaching for those things that we've had, that been an overcomer of. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen.